If you own a content website, you must know these SEO strategies. Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Steve Toth, who is an independent SEO consultant based out of Toronto. Now, Steve has created SEO strategies that have been able to rank number one for multiple keywords with over 300,000 monthly searches and has driven over 50 million clicks for freshbooks.com, which also included a page that generated traffic value of over $50,000 per week. Steve left FreshBooks back in March 2020 and turned them into one of his clients as he is an SEO consultant now. Steve also owns, runs, and operates seonotebook.com, which is a weekly SEO strategy email list that's sent out to over 13,000 subscribers. Now, enterprise companies around the world trust Steve to guide their SEO campaigns, and he's also the founder of G-Score, which is a WordPress plugin that helps people optimize their content with Google Search Console data, which is really cool, and that's going to get launched shortly. Steve and I talk about how he was able to launch 650 articles within one month and how he's able to get that to 50,000 users per month very, very quickly with FreshBooks. Talk about that strategy that he created. We also talk about in this episode why you should post all of your content now, not banking it up and scheduling it in for months to come. Um, And Steve digs into the science behind why you should be doing that. Uh, We also talk about how Steve's been creating a new website and finding all the keywords for this website based on his competition in that niche so he can create 80,000 words of content. We also dive into some more SEO strategy tactical things like um, what click-through rate benchmarking is, what it is and how it's done. We talk about his jealous link building strategy, which is really cool that he came up with in one of his chats with some of his clients. We also talk about his internal linking strategy, the science and strategy behind his internal linking strategy. Then we move into how you're able to use Google Docs to create featured snippets and get different LSI keywords and all that sort of stuff using Google Docs or Gmail. Now, there's so much value in this episode around SEO. We dig into little different facets of SEO strategies that you may never heard of before or you have heard of, but can allow you to go into more depth and get better results through the SEO strategies that we do talk about. So this is such a valuable episode. I know you guys are going to love it. Let's dive in. Do you want to build or grow your content website? Niche website builders have helped hundreds of people to take their content websites from a few hundred dollars per month to over tens of thousands of dollars per month with crafted content creation, buying age domains, and link building strategies. These strategies have helped people increase their traffic, authority, monthly earnings, and their website valuation too. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash B-O-B forward slash to get 10% off any link building or 10% more from their content creation services. That's nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob forward slash. I'll put a link in the description too. Steve, welcome to the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Hey, Jared. Glad to be here. The first thing I want to ask you, Steve, is um, just to open up into maybe a bit of story time or examples. Uh, but you know, what's one of your favorite SEO stories or examples where you got better results than you expected? It can be for yourself or it could be for a client. You know, what's one of those stories that you're like, wow, okay, this turned out better than I expected? And if so, why? Do you think? Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, before being an independent consultant and working for myself, I used to work at a company called freshbooks.com. 
And, um, you know, we did a lot of really cool things in the SEO um, department. And we're talking like 2018, 2019, 2020. And um, one of the challenges that my boss came to me with, he just said, hey, Steve, uh, need a thousand articles and then just walked away. Like just that's all he said to me was I need a thousand articles. And I was like, OK, well, where do I start? You know, like, OK, I'm like, I'm suddenly like a content specialist now coming up with 10,000 or a thousand article ideas. And, um, you know, I just had this kind of like light bulb moment. This was in 2019 and uh, actually late 2018. Uh, we launched the pages in 2019. But my idea was to start mining the people also ask questions that were related to the niche. Right. So like, you know, um, invoicing, accounting, entrepreneurship, taxes, questions like that. And um, we didn't have a lot of the tools that we have today, like, um, you know, uh, SEO Minion or Keyword Cupid to cluster, you know, uh, topics together. We were really doing it, you know, with like Excel and quite, you know, rudimentary methods compared to what we have today. But we ended up sourcing probably close to four or 5,000 people also ask questions, then clustering them together in Excel. And um, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I had asked people, should we use the exact people also ask question as the title of the blog? No one could tell me, you know, um, should I launch all these pages at once or should I, you know, drip them out over the course of several months? No one, no one would be able to tell me, um, you know, I asked like really notable people in the space too. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up writing 650 articles, so not quite a thousand but they were all based on people also ask. And uh, we ended up launching those 650 all within the span of a month. We decided not to wait, just boom, put them out there. And um, within 12 months, we had 50,000 visits a day uh, to those pages. That's cool. And why did you decide to do it all at once instead of waiting? Well, we, we initially, you know, did like... I don't know what it was, 20 a week or whatever. And then we calculated this and said, you know, we're probably not going to be working at FreshBooks by the time we're finally able to launch all this stuff. So let's just go for it. And that's what we did. I think it's the same with investing uh, in anything is you could just put it out over a time span. But if you've got the the money or the investment to just make uh, and you do it earlier on the piece, like you're going to get your, you're going to start gaining more rewards more early than just doing it, spreading it out over time. Uh, I, I really believe in that philosophy. If you can do it, do it. <laughs> yeah, so, 100%. I've, and since then, you know, that taught me a great lesson to just go for it. And, um, you know, whether it's not, I have never launched another 650 pages at once, but I've launched like hundreds and, um, and I'm seeing success with that, you know? So I would highly encourage anybody who has a site, don't drip it out, just put it out there. Cool. Okay. That's, this is the opposite to some of the advice that I've been given before with content creation, you know, put something out every week rather than, you know, you get 20 articles back, just get them live straight away. Well, Well, put it this way, the way that I look at it, is that um, you know content takes time to rank, and the longer you wait, you're at zero, right? So, I mean, what I see, you know, in, in the in the projects that I'm involved with, is usually three to six months of basically just impressions, not a lot of um, clicks, uh, and then from six to nine months, we start to see the clicks pick up. 
And then from nine to 12 months, we see it go exponential. So, I mean, if you're just sitting on the content and it's, you know, on a draft in WordPress, you're extending that initial period, right? So to me, I would say just go for it. And then, you know, later on, um, you know, three, four months in, once you start to get, gather those impressions, start optimizing it with the search console data. Oh, great. That's great. So would you say that's a general rule of thumb for most sites depend, like, you know, are we talking about sites that have a certain level of authority or are we talking about most, like a, like a pretty general rule for most sites, like that's how long it can take you to start getting out impressions to clicks and then, and then moving on to making optimizations based on search data. Yeah. I mean, um, in my experience, um, you know, I haven't trying to think like, would FreshBooks be considered an authority site? Not at the time, you know, um, not at the time. Like we had a blog that saw something like 9,000 visits a month. And uh, and when we launched these pages, it's not like we, you know, we had a decent DR, uh, but it's not like when we launched content, it started to rank right away. Um, so I would say like, you know, if you're, if you have an average site, then you're looking at probably three to six months of only gathering impressions and, uh, and then seeing the, the, you know, slow ramp up from six to nine and then nine to 12 is where you really start to pick up. And then how regularly do you come back and look at updating those articles that may need a bit more work? I, I look, uh, as soon as I see, um, search console data come in. So as soon as we see, um, keywords ranking on the second and third page, um, especially long tail keywords, uh, question-based keywords or some good regular expressions that you can use to pull only the question-based keywords. So keywords that start with like who, what, where, is, can, does, question, uh, words like that. Mm. Um, you can basically uh, start to see those within, I would say, three to four months, um, you know, just as you're gathering impressions. And then obviously the, the longer that continues and you, the better you start to rank, the more of that data uh, gets to feed in. Cool. I want to um, switch gears a little bit into a few different things that I've noticed that you have either got content about or talked about. The first thing is um, CTR benchmarking, click-through rate benchmarking. What is it and how is it done? Can you sort of explain that that process for us? Yeah, for sure. So um, there's a couple of good um, resources that we have at our disposal as SEOs um, to you know consider what are good benchmarks. So um, Advanced Web Ranking um, puts out basically a study um, and they actually do break it down by niche. I say niche, some other people say niche, niche. Um, I'm Canadian, so that's what we say up here. I'm, I'm niche um, <laughs> um, So, you know, they actually break it down by, by industry or by niche. What you can do is with this spreadsheet that I released, if you sign up at seonotebook.com, you'll get a copy of this spreadsheet is you can um, paste your own search console data into the sheet and it will tell you like based on the position that you're in are you way below the benchmarks for for ctr or are you above them so obviously the ones where you are below what that curve of the benchmark is you know you could simple title tag update could could really you know make a difference for your site and it just helps you identify them so it helps you identify those changes to make to get a better click-through rate yeah basically so whenever you have a keyword that um, has a lower CTR than the benchmark, 
you may think, hey, what what's what's wrong with this page? And um, the sheet that I created basically just highlights that for you really quickly. Yeah, there'll be there'll be a link to join seonotebook.com in the in the description, guys, as well. Now, link building. Uh, you have the term jealous link building strategy. What's how do I can't not ask about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just came up with the name, so people, you know, I, I thought it was a good name. So um, the jealous link building strategy is basically like, um, let's say you approach a site and uh, and you would say, hey, like you know, your competitor has an article that's doing really well on this topic. Like I could write that same article for you. Right. So basically, like the idea is they would get jealous of their competitor and then uh, allow you to make the guest post. So it's a bit of ego baiting, really. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, who wants their competitor to outrank them? And when somebody else is offering to do that for you for, you know, for free for just all, all they want is a link, um, you know, why not let them do that? Yeah. Love it. It's not a highly scalable strategy, I will say. It's not like you can probably earn like, you know, hundreds of links from that. But mm-hmm. if you're, um, if you've got, you know, you've identified a competitor or you've identified, you know, a couple sites, um, sub couple uh, sites that are ranking well in, in your SERPs and, and you actually want to get a link from them, um, it could be a good strategy where you really want to focus in on, uh, on getting specific links and, you know, put a little extra into, into your uh, pitch. Yeah, you can tell why it's not so scalable in, in terms of how much work would be required to <laughs> create that much content at scale. But you know what? It came out of one of my meetings with my clients, right? We were just talking and I said, why don't we do this? And like, that's where really all the notes for SEO Notebook come from is just from my work because I'm still very, you know, involved, right? I do biweekly meetings with my clients. We have basically strategy meetings versus like boring reporting meetings. Uh, we obviously touch on that too, but, um, you know, we, we, we get into the work, right? So I'm not out there, you know, selling courses and sitting on a beach. I'm like actually doing SEO every week. <laughs> yeah. Those people are on the beach selling a course. Don't really get those um, clients' results because, and this is what I tell people when they join my memberships, like, like I'm looking at businesses every single day and reviewing them for people that are wanting to buy these things. If you go out and buy a course from somebody that's not doing that, they, you're not going to get their support and they don't have any real experience or expertise to, to offer you support anyway, which is why they're hiding behind a screen on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they say like like people who do, do <laughs> and people who don't teach. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's a blanket statement that yeah, applies yeah. to every SEO. Obviously, the, the teaching has to come from a place of having done that. But I mean, Correct. what I mean to say is that um, if anybody is interested in working with me as a consultant, I'm still very in the thick of it. Yeah, because it's going to say you—you you definitely teach. You also do as well. <laughs> but I, I give it away for free. That's my problem. Maybe I should be more smart about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe depends on what your goal is. Money's not the money's not my highest value. Not my highest goal. Uh, no, definitely not. It's it's uh, it's about enjoying what you do. Fulfillment, I think, is going to give you better ROI than money. So that's my personal philosophy, but let's come back to link building. If that's a really good way to do it, but not at scale and you can get some good quality links, what if people did want to go down the scale route of getting a, a whole lot of links? Do you have some different hybrid suggestions for them or, or something com- completely different? Yeah. Um, so basically, the approach that I take to link building is not doing it myself okay because 
I don't want to be managing outreach teams. I don't want to be doing all these things. But what I do is I network, right? So I have people who, you know, help with trades or I have people who are very expert in, you know, PR link building or like, you know, I, I know like all the people do like niche edits or like I know I basically just use my network for that, right? And a lot of the times, like I'll refer business to people and then they'll build links for me, right? Or like um, I, cause I'm, I'm not, I am not, uh, I don't enjoy um, managing an outreach team or anything like that. I've done it and I don't enjoy it. So um, what I would say is, you know, figure out who in this industry and they're not hard to find, you know, are doing really good work um, and, uh, and, and basically network, network with them, right. Hire them. Um, and, uh, you know, for example, I'll give you an example of somebody that I've worked with who's been really great. Um, it's a guy named, uh, Ferry Cazzoni, I think, um, he's a, he has a company called search intelligence in the UK. And what he's been doing is, um, basically PR link building. Um, but what they do is they monitor search trends based on news events. And they basically blast out a statement from the site um, in terms of like, you know, an observation, right? So I have a client in the crypto space. And when Elon Musk bought um, Twitter, the the, the searches for Doge uh, actually spiked. And uh, we released a, a statement saying, you know, when Elon Musk did this, the searches for Doge um, took a took a in, in, uh, exponential increase, and um, we got picked up by I think nineteen um, like really high authority sites like Yahoo Finance, MSN, The Street, Zero Hedge, like like big sites, res- really respected sites, um, all picked this up, right? So personally, I don't want to do that. Like I like it. You know, he's got a team that is expert in monitoring those trends and jumping on opportunities and all that stuff. But those are the kind of people that I want to partner with. And of course, if somebody else wants to try that same uh, same strategy, they can just go for it. But personally, I don't have the time to, to build a team to do that for myself. So I'd rather just work with somebody. I love your ideology around the uh, networking. You know, bloggers are listening to us now. I'm like, oh, you know, I could do the jealous link building strategy, but it's not scalable. I could only probably output a couple of articles a month max themselves or with their team. The ideology around networking in your space in that niche and getting familiar with those other bloggers and other people in your space is you can not just links like the value comes you can get way better ROI that with the networking than just backlinks <laughs> out of, rather than just in the SEO like there's there's going to be joint venture opportunities and stuff like that so I really love your idea around networking with people in the industry that you're in for backlinking networking is just helping people right it's knowing yeah. what other people need and just being able to help them at every turn, right? So when you do that, people want to naturally help you, right? So um, yeah, it's networking, like even apart from link building is like a secret weapon SEO strategy to me because, um, you know, I'm, I don't have a desire to um, build a massive team. Like I really like just being a solopreneur with a couple VAs and like a really scrappy little team. But I love knowing the fact that, you know, I've got a guy who does digital PR. I know somebody else who's, who's got like an amazing inventory of niche edits and like all those kinds of things. Right. So um, I think 
and you know, never mind like content writers or developers or designers or whoever it is, content. right? Have that really awesome Rolodex of, of folks you can leverage and, um, you know, save yourself time and, uh, and get, you know, fast results. Yeah, I'm all about it as well. That's how I run. I want to switch in from backlinking to internal linking. What sort of tools do you use for internal linking? And do you have some philosophies and strategies that you adhere to and, and teach? Yeah, um, well, I, um, I, I don't use uh, any tools per se, but um, I know that Link Whisper, uh, if you're on a WordPress site, is a, is a good tool that you can use. But what my main tool, I mean, I guess it's not really a tool, but, you know, just planning out meticulously in spreadsheets um, prior to launching any type of content. Right. So, um, you know, when I launch a cluster, you know, let's say it's a verticalized cluster. So what I mean by that is you would have like, you know, the keyword and then for this industry, that industry, another industry. Mm. And um, and then in that spreadsheet, as you delegate that work to a writer, um, all of those internal links are, are put in the way that you plan them, right? So um, I'm very, very meticulous about pre-planning internal links, less meticulous about um, going and internal linking old content. Because most of the stuff that I do is always building something new. Uh, so when you're pre-planning it before it gets created and so, all that sort of stuff, what what's your number like how much how many internal links is, is are too many and, and that's obviously going to be dependent on how big the the piece of content is right but what's your rule of thumb or do you have a rule of thumb yeah so um like i'll just actually kind of take a slight sidestep on this one and mention something that might be also useful to your to your viewers and your listeners is that um like the idea of having like one brief that can be used for you know a whole s slew of articles that brief could have direction like these are the pages with the priorities for the internal links um this is how many external links we should have on each page um and it basically has like a framework that can apply to every article. So instead of creating one brief and then a specific individual brief for every single one, you can just create like a master brief and then have the writers use that, right? So in my master brief, I was actually just planning one earlier today with uh, with one of my employees. Uh, I believe it said, these, were, these are the five pages that we wanna prioritize internal links to. And, um, and because we're talking about like, this is going to be a large scale effort. We're starting with um, 80,000 words a month, and then we're probably going to go up for this client after that. So we needed a way to scale it. And um, we basically got, I think these five pages are the main ones that we want to link to from most of the content. Um, so that's five internal links right there. And then we want to have at least two um, like, you know, respected high authority external links in each article as well. So how many is too many? I mean, I, I would hope that most of the listeners know that um, the more links you have on a page, the less link juice each link gets. So um, I would say, you know, um, trying to limit those uh, to maybe, yeah, I don't know, five to seven generally on a, on a long form piece of content. And then obviously sticking up uh, the most important internal links um, higher up in the content. Cool. Thanks. That's great. Yeah, of course, with the link, the link juice is a important one to understand. I also want to like 
talk and maybe have you elaborate a bit about if you've got your, you know, your top five pages that you want to link to and that's in your master brief. How do you sort of track or what's your thought process around using the, the anchor text for each time you link to that being different? Like how do you how do you take that into account? Yeah, so in that master brief, it talks about um, how to use anchor text. So I don't really care if it repeats, to be honest, but what I do care about is that anchor text gives the user an indication of what the link is before they click it. So if it's just anchor text that's slapped onto a sentence and doesn't really provide any clue about what, what lies beyond that click, that's not a good anchor text. But if the anchor text provides the correct context and the user knows that they're going to, to click, that's the one that, that I want to use. And to a certain degree, I, I think it's hard to QA that, I will just be honest, but it's about also trusting the people who are, are producing your content, right? So um, don't give that to a brand new um, content writer that you're just trying, give that to somebody who you know is experienced with you. The context, rather than, I think that's so good because you can have context be different every single time in relation to what that each article is is mentioning anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw another thing that you had mentioned around uh, featured snippets and using Google Docs. <laughs> how do you, so the question is like, how do you how do you get featured snippets using Google Docs? Like it's a, I don't know if that was a, a clickbaity thing or, or, or what it was. <laughs> well, it worked. I actually did it. So, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I can't say that I do that every featured snippet that I earn. <laughs> but um, yeah, what happened there was, um, you know, I been basically talking to a prospective client and um, I was like, Hey, why don't you at least like, they were like, you know, we're not ready to do this right now. So, okay. Like, why don't you let me like experiment with your site a little bit mm. and let's see if we can, you know, improve one page or whatever. And, um, and I, uh, I think the, the keyword was types of graphs or something like that. And, um, and I started um, uh, just pasting a bunch of like sort of semantically related words into a, a Google doc. And, um, and then I started typing and I said, Hey, like, why don't I um, just, you know, see if I can start like, you know, typing one letter and then seeing what pops up uh, in terms of the smart compose feature on Google docs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also on Gmail as well, because I think the G docs one only works on Google workspace. So if you, if you want to try this and you don't have Google workspace, try it on Gmail uh, but I just like, you know, one letter at a time. And is, as Google began to um, complete the sentence for me, I just went with it and then used my instincts to start it again and then just went with it and went with it and went with it. And uh, and we got this featured snippet. And so what you what what you mean by is you got that featured snippet is you just creating a, a piece of content on that document, trying to find as many LSI keywords as possible and then gave a context. Is that like, is that what you mean? Yeah. Like, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, fundamentals. I think when you're writing featured snippets, like to, um, reiterate the, um, question back in the answer. So if the question is who's the world's tallest basketball player, you would start your featured snippet by the world's tallest basketball player is right. 
So mm-hmm. starting it that way. And then basically I just wanted to see what Google would suggest in terms of like writing. And I did that and we earned it. Cool. And and with the featured snippets, are you wanting to get a featured snippet for every piece of content you create? And if not, why not? And the reason I ask is because I'm just thinking about if every single piece of content you create has a featured snippet and it's boiled down to this, you know, it's condensed down to an answer and Google can just throw it up on Google. It can, it can, I guess, prevent clicks from coming to your and traffic coming to your page. Um, but it, it can do the opposite at times as well, depending on what your featured snippet is and how it's answered. So what's your take on that? Do you, do you try and experiment differently with different pieces of content for snippets? So, so I've analyzed this and um, where the featured snippet is ranked, I've never seen higher CTR without it. So I always go for the featured snippet. If you have a type of, um, if you have, if you're in a SERP that is one of those zero click searches, mm-hmm. then that that's fine. Like you're not going to, you're not like sports scores or whatever it is. You're, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to get much traffic, but you know, people typically, if you're not going to get the featured snippet, somebody else's, and the person is probably just going to read, you know, what they wrote. But most people, I think, still are going to click on the featured snippet versus not. If you really don't, if you feel strongly that you don't want to do that, you can put the no snippet tag around your uh, your your content, and then you won't be eligible for any featured snippets. Um, you can also force Google to use a specific meta description if you do that. But that's not personally anything that I would do. Cool. Obviously, because you've seen that you're going to get the clicks anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're going to like you're going to get the clicks, and you know you're still ranking number one. You've got the biggest result. It was nice for a while there when Google gave the featured snippet and gave you another position on the SERP, but hmm. took that away sometime in like 2020, I think. I want to ask about SEO tools. If you were to only use two SEO tools, or if you were only allowed to use two SEO tools, what would they be? Paid tools? Um, Paid tools, yeah. Probably is pretty easy actually for me. Um, Ahrefs um, and like a beefy subscription too. Um, and uh, and then Keywords Everywhere, just because I love it. Um, I rely on it so heavily. Um, I do a lot of keyword research just on Google itself like on google.com and auto suggest and um, you know, all the sorts of different features that they have there. People also ask related searches, but with Ahrefs, you know, one of my top go-to things is always to check out the top pages of another website. Like this is one of the first screens I always look at. Um, And without that, I would feel pretty lost. It's funny when you're in business for a while, you understand how valuable competition is and how much competition can help you win as well um this is something that i i teach everybody that's in my mastermind is like you don't need to go away and reinvent the wheel you can go away and see what other people are doing that's working and make it better and (laughs) i think that's why that that tool can be so valuable right yeah um so i'll I'll give you like a quick um insight into one of the things I actually did today uh, with one of my employees. Um, She was able to follow along everything and I was super pleased um, was to, so we have um, that 80,000 words that I mentioned. Uh, We have to create a lot of content for that. Mm. And um, what I suggested we do was basically pick all the top sites in the niche 
and then get the top pages um, for all of those websites in the niche, then get the um, organic keywords for every single page of those top pages. And then basically we're using like the API and, and, and to do all this, but um, after you have the, uh, the top keywords for every single um, page for like these 10 sites, uh, we're actually taking all of those keywords and then going to put them into keyword Cupid to cluster them all together. So basically instead of um, the w old way that I would have done this is by just looking at all the URLs for those top pages, but that doesn't um, work that well because you could potentially have like duplicated uh, articles on each of those sites. But if we just kind of throw that to the wind and only look at the keywords that are ranking for all those pages and then cluster them, that completely eliminates that duplicate issue and actually gives us a lot better data to, to write those articles based on that. And you can rank for so many keywords there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much guarantee like, you know, topical authority doing that. <clears throat> all the ones, all the keywords that are already being ranked. That's that's awesome. Steve, where can we send people to find out more about SEO Notebook and what you're doing? Yeah, it's just seonotebook.com. Uh, basically what I have is uh, a notebook of strategies that I've been doing for three years now. So we have over 150 different pages of that notebook. And then each week I email one of them out and um each week as well, I do like a throwback email. So you basically get two notes per week, um, one from the archives, one that's new and fresh. And um, it's totally free to join. And uh, there's almost 13,000 subscribers on it. So uh, yeah, it's totally free. And, um, you know, if you want to help me out, um, you can hire me as a consultant. Um, and, uh, and then I have another project as well uh, called gscore.io which is a WordPress plugin that uses Google Search Console data to re-optimize the content. And uh, it's currently working on that right now in beta, uh, but you know, hopefully launch um, sometime in the next year. Cool. Congratulations on that. I hope that launch goes very well. It sounds, sounds quite interesting. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be very valuable for people that are wanting to get their hands on it already. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's fun to develop a SaaS, but it's also hard when you're kind of like a creative type with lots of ideas and you want to make it huge. And it's like, yeah, well, if you wanted to do it that like that, your budget would probably be close to a million dollars. And like, I'm not ready for that just yet, but maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Steve. Everybody that is listening. Thank you for listening. If you know somebody that has an online business and doesn't know anything about SEO, make sure you share this podcast episode with them. It'll be so enlightening for them to hear. That's it for me. I'll speak to you guys soon. This episode of the Buying Online Businesses podcast is brought to you by smbpodcastnetwork.com. This network is a collection of podcasts and shows from around the internet, which focuses on bringing you interviews with amazing guests who share actionable advice, ideas, and information for small and medium-sized business owners and entrepreneurs. Visit smbpodcastnetwork.com to find more awesome shows. Now, if you've discovered this podcast episode today via the network, then I hope you enjoyed the show and will consider subscribing directly so you never miss any of our great podcasts.